Welcome in Rose City to the second episode of the new edition of the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. I'm Ryan Clark, joined by Chris Reifer. And Chris, hopefully uh, this is a lot like the reboot of the Star Wars movies where, you know, you, you start out pretty solid. There's there's some nostalgia there. Uh, but then you get into the second one, you know, The Last Jedi, if you will. Uh, and it just blows you away and, and is clearly the, the best of, of the new trilogy. Hello, hello. Honestly, though, that like that only spells bad things for for the future for next week's episode, wouldn't it? Um, you know, so not not to divert too quickly. I oh, I, actually, b- before before we get too far, uh, I want to note uh, in homage to uh, a segment from the you know the the older versions uh, of Soccer Made in Portland. I want to note that it is a beautiful day here in Portland. The first over 70 degree day of 2022. We're like headed up into the mid 70s. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, and we are inside recording a podcast. Um, that is uh, the, you know, the the memorial weather made in Portland segment. Um, now back to Star Wars, which is also not really apropos of the topic we're supposed to be discussing, but you, you raised it. So we're going to do it. I mean, I, you know... The- <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 new ones i agree with you the second one was was the best of the of the new ones and so you know hopefully your analogy pulls pulls through for this episode right it was also the one that was the least just duplicative of the original trilogy <laughs> where i i felt like with this especially with the first and third i was just like you're just like ripping entire like plot lines <laughs> out of the the original series yeah. Uh, yeah, it and went bold, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully we, uh, we in our podcasting, uh, ventures can, can be as, as bold as, as one Ryan Johnson was with the, the narrative arc of, of the great star Wars franchise. <laughs> yeah, it would be, I, I mean, it would be like if we just listened to old versions of soccer made in Portland and then like put slight 2022 twists on them but otherwise just just re-recorded what <laughs> what like you know jamie and caitlin did back in the day yeah i didn't tell everybody but i've got some of jamie goldberg's old lines here that i'm, I'm just gonna recite verbatim <laughs> and, and see if see if some of them stick see if see if they work for uh for the modern version of the portland timbers and thorns but uh get it getting into the nitty-gritty i guess do doing what you know, is actually our job here in, in discussing uh, subjects related to the Timbers and Thorns. And, and to be clear, with respect to me, we use the job very loosely. We use the word job, quote unquote, very loosely. Um, they're like big air quotes around job. You you, yes, you have a, yeah. a real job. Job, I, job is a loose term for. Yeah. <laughs> Starting out with uh, some of the additional off field controversy that seems to continue to uh, rear its ugly head for for the Timbers and Thorns franchise. Uh, Madison Shanley, the anthem singer for uh, Timbers and Thorns game, she's been doing it since she was a teenager. Uh, she wore a shirt that said "You knew" um, at the most recent Timbers game, a three-one loss to the LA Galaxy, which we will cover extensively later, and was a compelling soccer game in its own right. Um, she said that Mike Golub, um, the president of business for the Timbers, called her dad uh, to try and get her not to wear the shirt. He says that uh, because they are longtime friends, Golub and her dad, um, he called her because he didn't have her cell phone number and that her dad is usually with her at the game. So it made sense for, for him to to give her a call. Still, she didn't see it that way. She she felt disrespected and um 
felt there was an air of misogyny to to what uh, Golub was doing and that she is a 27-year-old woman and can make her own decisions. Uh, But instead of talking to her about it first, uh, Golub called her dad, uh, which has become the crux of the issue for for this um this incident and uh, the timbers say she is still invited to sing the anthem at future games and there is an offer on the table for her to meet with the front office and air her concerns um but but the issue really comes down to uh, if they really didn't care whether she wore the shirt uh they wouldn't have done anything they would have just let her wear the shirt and walk out there and do her thing and walk off and people probably would have forgotten about it uh, relatively quickly, but they didn't do that. They talked to her and said they would prefer she didn't do it, but they didn't say that they're telling her not to. And they said, there's no pressure, but you know, please don't wear it. And it just, it, it's another, um, I've heard people call it another rake that that uh was stepped on here um on the part of the timbers and and i think that um you in the situation that the franchise is in right now you can't really afford many of these type of pr crises uh and and now really madison shanley has gone viral and become like a vocal leader for what the franchise might call its opposition but really uh, is just a, a bunch of frustrated fans who have seen a lack of transparency out of out of the um, front office and are concerned about how they handle um, issues involving women, ranging from this all the way to to more s- serious and criminal matters. So you've been doing a decent amount of reporting on this over the course of the week. What's the sense that you get from inside the franchise? Do you think there's there's you know recognition, uh, or do you think they believe that they didn't handle this right, or do you think that they believe that this was that you know I mean that this wasn't something that they uh, that they got wrong? What's the sense you get from them? From their perspective, they they feel they handled it properly because they believe, uh, in their view, that the investigation that MLS commissioned by Proskauer Rose into the Andy Polo incident specifically. Um, they believe that clears them of any wrongdoing. Um, and so they, on its face, they believe that the UNU shirt is uh, untrue in, in its merits. But um, I, I think you have to, you know, take a, a wider view of it and, and not be so narrow in the focus. Um, Andy Polo is not the only off-field incident for which Timbers fans and Thorns fans have issues. Um, and it certainly does not reflect the only incident that Madison Shanley is pointing to when she wears a shirt that says, you know, you, you think about the Paul Riley scandal um, and, and how that was handled. That is separate entirely from the Polo investigation. And so to, to use the Polo investigation as, as potential cover for that, when um, in reality, the phrase, you knew um, it doesn't necessarily mean you covered it up, right? And and so we know that the Timbers franchise knew about what occurred with Andy Polo because they had two representatives on site when it happened. Uh, they did not report it to MLS, which they were later fined for, uh, but GM Gavin Wilkinson and the team's uh, counsel ultimately 
did not choose to report it because they say they did not know the rules. Uh, so it's easy for um, the franchise to, to use the Polo investigation as an example of, see, we aren't doing anything wrong. This investigation cleared us of intentionally covering something up or coercing a witness, um, or rather coercing a victim. Now, going forward, um, it's 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 not a, a tangible argument, frankly. Um, Madison Shanley has become sort of this revered figure in in fan circles for her her uh, stand that she took during the anthem, and her voice is going to continue to be heard on this subject. And she is somebody who is uh, paid by the Timbers to do this, to, to be the anthem singer, uh, and has a long-standing relationship with the team. Um, the calls for accountability are not going to magically disappear just because this one specific investigation is out. Um, so, so the Timbers' thoughts right now are that this really was a, a non-issue in the first place, but, um, uh, Mike Golub took his time to explain his his side of the story uh, when I spoke to him for the article I wrote on Madison Shanley, and uh, they are hoping to to move past this and uh, keep the focus on the field. Speaking of keeping the focus on the field, uh, the Timbers scored an own goal uh, in their 3-1 loss to the LA Galaxy over the weekend. Uh, there is lots to talk about uh, with respect to this game, so let's go ahead and dive in. Let's sort of let's uh, before we get to the the refereeing issues, which I think are things that we 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 should talk about. Um, let's talk about the, the the Timbers on the field and, and sort of zoom in on those first you know, half an hour or 20 minutes or so in which the Timbers dug themselves into a 2-0 hole. What were your impressions from uh, from that period? And, 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 I mean, you know, to put it sort of bluntly, how do you think, how did it go so wrong uh, for the Timbers in in that first spell of the game? Uh, it, they were just flat. I mean, it, it, in defending, they, they were uncommunicative. They were um, all over the place. And, and, you know, when you have a constantly rotating cast of, characters back there either due to injury or you know every other game it seems like somebody's getting suspended for a red card uh it's going to be difficult to find any sort it of it is like almost co- literally coherence. every other game right now yeah i'm pretty sure it is every other game if you look <laughs> at the, the statistics it's absolutely insane and, and we'll we'll get into that more momentarily but um just lack of discipline lack of communication i mean chicharito he's a great incredible talented player uh, but he, he was getting into spots that are that are frankly inexcusable when it comes to um, how the Timbers were defending in that game and um, the chances that Portland was getting were were solid but my god it's it there are these stretches where uh, they just can't seem to get the ball on target can't seem to find uh, find the frame of goal on these or, or they're running into each other or they're miscommunicating or sending a sending across slightly too high uh when when you get yourself in those positions and Gio Savarese touched on this after the game all it takes is like a singular moment and boom you're down 1-0 and then another of those moments happens and you're down 2-0 and having to claw your way back into games which the Timbers have obviously had to do too much of this season they were down 1-0 to Orlando uh, in their previous game and 
thanks to Christian Paredes, uh, they were able to pull back and, and tie that one. But, you know, if if th- a few things go the other way, that's a loss too. And, and you're looking at a Portland team with five points right now, even further down the Western Conference standings, which they're already uh, in a tough spot hovering down there with the likes of Vancouver, who they will play this Saturday. Yeah, I, you know, this is one where I, I think the Timbers had a number of things going wrong, especially in that first half an hour or so. But I think many of them are related. Uh, you know, we've, we've discussed, we discussed last week, uh, and I know there's been some, some discussion online this week about the Timbers inability, and you just noted it uh, a moment ago, the Timbers inability to sort of ripen their chances to convert getting the ball into a good spot around the box in seemingly a good position to make a play into actually making a play and actually being goal dangerous uh, in those moments. And I think the Timbers got the ball in a ton of good spots against the Galaxy. It seemed constant. Even in that 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 first 20 or 30 minutes, the Timbers had no shortage of possession around the Galaxy box and, and frankly had sort of seemingly and ostensibly promising possession around the Galaxy box. Um but they weren't able to make anything of it. And I think that's starting to creep its way into other things the team is doing. I think they don't have a lot of confidence about their ability to create good goal-scoring chances out of those moments. And the way they're trying to compensate for that is they're just trying to throw numbers at the problem. They're trying to get more numbers forward, get more uh, more players into the final third to you know sort of do the job that, that they should be able to do with – you know, one or two attackers getting into positions to to score goals. I feel like I'm talking about Yaroslav Nizhgoda right now without talking about Yaroslav Nizhgoda, but but his inability to get into places where he's available for that to receive that final ball to score, I think is causing other players on the team to stretch uh, because they feel like they need to get two, three, four players in the box in these moments where it's not necessarily there or or sensible for them to be pushing on those kinds of numbers uh, and taking those kinds of risks. And I note taking those kinds of risks because that's what ends up happening. You end up having your fullbacks getting forward more and, and, and earlier. You end up having your defensive midfielders getting forward more and earlier. You end up, even in a moment, having center backs getting up in, <laughs> into the end of the attack. And when you do that, you're just taking risks. The second goal is... is the prime example of this. You've got a moment where where the the game is is really kind of overloaded. The Timbers are attacking down the left side and and both teams are committing enormous numbers to that side of the field. You uh and it's and it's frankly pretty compressed. The Timbers have not only uh Claudio Bravo pushed on, Dario Zuparic is also is also up near the attack uh because of the way the sequence pl- before it played out. Um, you've got Christian Paredes, who is in possession of the ball, but also on sort of the edge of the final third, uh, on the edge of the middle third and final third. And then Diego Chara, uh, who's sort of seeing, I, th- I think, that the that the game around Paredes is really compressed and that there are just lots of players sort of in, the, in, in that part of the field, starts to make a run forward. Now, I think you can step back and say, Chara probably needs to be, have a little bit better recognition in that moment. Because he probably should recognize that that the that the team is super exposed, and he frankly can't really afford to to take those few steps forward um, to to you know get himself into uh, the final third. Because if he does, 
There's literally nobody other than than Bill Tuiloma and and Pablo Benilla back. But he does, and and Christian Paredes, I don't know why. It's it's possible that he was thinking he was going to play square to Chara to try to switch the field, which would have been a good idea because that's sort of what the situation called for, to try to switch the field and take advantage of the space down the right. For whatever reason, instead of instead of playing a precise ball to Chara, who is who is running on, he puts it behind him, and it's an easy uh, it's an easy t- uh, turnover for the Galaxy. It's a, it's a bad giveaway for the Timbers, and all of a sudden they're just totally ripped open. There's there, there, there there's very little. Uh, there, there's nobody is in position to repress. Uh, the Galaxy basically have a free run out. I think you can you can find some fault with with the positioning of of Tuiloma and, and Bonilla. Um, being too deep in that moment because they weren't able to compress the field. They weren't able to repress and, and that gap was just enormous. I think that's a secondary issue though. And then the galaxy play into the space uh, down to the left side uh, by Benia. Benia does poorly. He does nothing to slow down or disrupt the attack. Um, and then the ball comes in and, and it takes an unfortunate deflection off of Tuiloma for the own goal. But look, but that whole thing starts because the Timbers have just committed enormous numbers into the attack in like the 16th minute of the game, Ryan. Like it's not like the, it's not like this is the the yeah. you know 87th minute and they need a goal and they need to take these kinds of risks because that's just what the game calls for. It's the 16th minute. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And, and you and, noted this on Twitter too that that it it really um, it it revolves around what's going on with Nizgoda and and he. They let it, you know, play out for the first five to ten minutes, and then, like you were saying, they're like, "All right, now we gotta throw numbers at this problem because, you know, he clearly is not going to to do what we need him to do." Right, and you know, I so I think, it, it, and I, I think it's very fair to draw a good chunk of it back to Nishgata because it, it's 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 just it's been a sort of consistent challenge to get him into the spots where he's available to receive a final ball. Um, that's part of why, you know, when you dig into his his usage stats, uh, the 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 amount that his teammates are connecting with him, they're really really poor, um, and it just makes it so that the Timbers feel like they can't find goals without stretching numbers. And when you start stretching, especially when you're going up against somebody like Chicharito, whose movement is in his prime was world class, like literally world class, um, as as a striker. Uh, it's probably not world class, but it's certainly league class still. Um, and, and and you know, I mean, when you're letting guys like that play in space, they become so much more dangerous. And Chicharito found a few uh, a, a few uh, moments where he could, with his movement, get himself into space, and he punished the Timbers twice. Um, but in a game like that, especially when you're playing a player like that, and frankly, I don't have tons of faith in the and many of the other guys in the galaxy's attack to be consistent goal scoring threats. Um, you, you don't want to get stretched like that and allow Chicharito the opportunity to be going up, be going up against, you know, Dario Zuparic one-on-one in the box, because that's a matchup. Even if Zuparic does okay, he really got skinned and, and, and cooked on that first goal. But even if he does okay, that's a matchup that one-on-one Chicharito feels he can win. Um, and, and he's right. Um, and, yeah. When the Timbers get stretched, they just play into his hands, into Chicharito's hands, into into the Galaxy's hands, and I think that's basically what happened. Uh, let's talk uh, then about <laughs> the way the rest of the game played out, which, <laughs> you know, 
to, to to foreshadow what my what my thinking is, I actually think there's a lot of the tape of the rest of this game that you can kind of throw out. I, I think it kind of got screwed up. The Timbers, it, to, to be very, very clear right off the jump, I don't think it affected the, 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 the final result or had a significant chance of affecting the final result because the Timbers had pretty well dug their own grave by the time all of this happened. Um, but the last half of the game got screwed up, and it got screwed up at the start or, or right at the very end of the first half um, when the referee, Nima Sagafi, sent off Pablo Bonilla. Ryan, what were your thoughts about both the sending off uh, the straight red card that Bonilla got um, in uh, just before halftime, and then the way he sort of managed the the, the second half. Yeah, that that was uh, a tough situation for for the Timbers. The half was already coming to an end with a lot of you know un, unfortunate mishaps having occurred, and and then you you get somebody sent off as as the cherry on top right there, and you know the fans were very upset with their expletive laden chants that were raining down from the stands uh that was as interesting to hear it was as as loud a chant of of that variety that i've ever heard uh, at at a timbers match uh i i can say this the red was pretty soft uh gio savarese said so after the game he he called it a soft red uh point blank and um it was soft, but you can't put yourself in that situation, right? Um, Bill Tuiloma, uh, after the, the match, said that um, the Timbers have to be more disciplined in those type of situations. He called what Pablo Bonilla did uh, inexcusable and said it hurt the team. Uh, it very much was not warranted to be a straight red. Uh, I think that most people can agree to that. But when you know how referees this season have been calling games in MLS, and you know the reputation that Portland has had so far this season for uh, jumping to that point much quicker than one might anticipate, you got to be more careful. And that's a young guy losing his head uh, in a situation that he shouldn't. Yes, I know it was not and should not have been a straight red, but that's that's a situation of discipline and and I thought that Geo for the most part adjusted decently well to start the second half. Uh, he threw Justin Rasmussen in there for Santiago Moreno uh, and Moreno really um has been in kind of a, a slump of his own these last few games not really finding his spots. He's had some flashes where you're like, "Wow, um this is an incredibly skilled guy in in the midfield, but uh, other than that, he hasn't really contributed much, and so to throw Rasmussen in there obviously fills the defensive gap that you're losing with Bonilla. Um, second half, I, I thought they were solid for a few minutes, and then uh, once they surrendered that third goal, it was like, okay, this is like this is pretty much it. They're going to have to really, really fight to get it to 3-2, and, and even a draw in this situation seems terribly unlikely. Uh, Geo is is going to have to find the right combination of guys here with what they currently have. Uh, he mentioned after the game, uh, and this goes back to the issue with, with Yarosol and Izgoda, uh, Geo straight up said, we need to find another forward. And they've been talking about signing another one for several weeks, but it just has not uh, come yet. Uh, Felipe Mora will be back eventually, but but you need somebody other than him to, to fill the gap. And it'll probably take a while for Mora to, to get back to fitness once he's back anyway in a few weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, at this point, the forward spot 
needs some serious change. Um, and, and I honestly think they also need to look into signing a right back. Uh, perhaps maybe later in the summer, if they can free up a DP spot, getting rid of Nizgoda, should they go that route? Um, there are definitely some personnel issues here. Uh, it's it's not just a matter of performances necessarily. There there are some serious gaps where that Portland needs to fill in if it wants to be a playoff team. Yeah, I you know sort of tracking back a little bit to the to the red card. I I agree uh, with sort of the the way you framed it up. Not a red card. It's it's not. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it's it's the kind of shove that you see. I mean, frankly, it's the kind of shove you see a lot when when players are sort of jockeying for position before a a corner kick or a free kick or something like that and pretty universally you, you know it's it's well worn that referees will do they'll you know pull the two guys out of out of the line and and talk to them and then send them back and they'll take the corner kick um yeah yeah you, you, so so for uh for you know the visually uh, impaired medium of of the podcast. Ryan was just doing the the two fingers together and then apart, like universal sign for no more from a referee, and that's what you'll get um, from that kind of a shove. In in most instances, I think Sagafi just saw it wrong. I think he he saw it out of out of the corner of his eye. He thought it was a, a punch or something like that, and it just wasn't. Um, I which you know it happens. That's the kind of thing where you'd hope a VAR would say, Hey, wait a minute. You know, I, I, I think you didn't see that right. What I'm seeing here is that that wasn't, that wasn't the, the sort of violent conduct that, that, that warrants a red card. Um, and let's fix this mistake before you, before it affects the game. And frankly, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating a bit here, but I feel pretty confident in the speculation. I think Sagafi went in at halftime, watched the video and realized he'd made a mistake. Um, because he came out in the first 15 minutes and I remember, uh, sort of watching even just the first few minutes of the second half and he was calling the game completely differently than he did in the first half. And frankly, it looked to me, I mean, the, the thought I, I had in my head was literally, if he gets half a chance, he's going to send a galaxy player off because he realizes he made a mistake at the end of the first half and if he can, if he gets sort of a, a plausible opportunity to do so, he's going to even this up. Um, and he did. And he did. <laughs> Marky Delgado gave him that plausible <laughs> opportunity to do so. Um, and and that's exactly what happened. And then, frankly, after that, I thought after that, Sagafi was just like done. He's like, I am finished making big calls. I am. Yeah. I'm going to hang out here for the next 30 minutes with you guys. I'm not going to literally leave the field, but you're on your own. <laughs> Which is why you know yeah. the Timbers had uh, a couple one I one I will say plausible penalty shout I I, I think the, the the foul on or the the potential foul on Jimmy Chara in the box in what the eighty second or eighty third minute um that I I'm not offended by the VAR not recommending review on that uh, I I wouldn't be offended by the referee calling it but but that's that's I think for me he went down a little bit easy. Um, and, and he was going down a little bit before the contact on the back foot, but there was contact on the back foot. And so if you want to say that's a rule book foul, I, I think that's reasonable, but I'm also okay with that going on called the, the, the Dupuy handball, uh, in the 88th minute stone cold handball. I, I have no idea <laughs> why, why the VAR didn't, uh, didn't, didn't recommend review on that. That's, that's a pretty clear rule book, 
uh, handball. I mean, it's it's crystal clear under the the under law twelve, which is the relevant law uh, of the game uh, as written for for this season. Uh, it it's baffling, frankly, that that wasn't reviewed yeah. and given. Yeah, and you you don't do yourself any favors pulling something like that in the eighty eighth either, because you you already have you know the the fans pretty pretty impatient pretty up in arms about the way that yeah. the game was called uh, and and so you you give them only a couple minutes to you know get reared up and then final whistle and and you just get more of the same expletive laden chance um i was really concerned frankly that you know and and not to put this on timbers fans in general but there's there's always sometimes one or two people who in a, in an emotionally volatile moment like that can lose their cool uh, we saw it uh, in MLS Cup last year. Uh, I was worried that somebody was going to throw something uh, at them, honestly, when they were coming through the tunnel. I, I actually stood up in the press box to look and, and make sure something like that happened because that was as um, as anti-official uh, of a sentiment as I've I've seen. And so, yeah, you're not, you're not doing yourself any favors in that situation. I agree with you. I think that um, clear handball, uh, but, you know, I mean, his his hand was it, it, his arm tough. was up like he yeah. was raising his hand in class or something. Like, yeah, <laughs> this like, wasn't, yeah, like <laughs> high fiving the ball. Yeah, like it's, it's, <laughs> this uh, this wasn't one where you're like, ah, you know, it's a little bit away from his butt now. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, oh, by the way, just to 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 make one point, uh, do not under any circumstances throw anything on the on the field. Oh, never. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Come on, man. <laughs> Do not be a jackass in public is, is good advice to to give anyone. But yes, please, um, if you are angry at the refs or, or at the Timbers or at the opposing team or at the ownership or who, whoever you're mad at, don't throw stuff. Be an adult. Come on. And And if you need an easy way to remember it, the Timbers Army has a chant directly on the point which is don't throw, I'm not going to say the next word because it's probably, you know, this is a family sh- a family show. Uh, don't throw blank on the pitch. This is um, a family show. It's a family show. Um, yeah, don't throw anything on the field. Uh, so, yeah, I, in terms of the way the Timbers managed it, I, I, I thought the way the game played out, they were really shorthanded in the second half, knowing that, that a they had to bring on Rasmussen and I thought Moreno given his performance in the first half, which I didn't think was terrible, but it, you know, he wasn't a difference maker. Um, so I thought that switch was sensible, but it certainly took some playmaking off the field for the Timbers. Uh, Blanco was always going to have to come off. He's just not 90 minutes fit yet. And so, you know, it was only a matter of time, whether it was going to be 60 or 65 or 70 minutes. I think it ended up being in the ballpark of 70 minutes or so. Um, they were going to have to bring him off. Jimmy Chara, frankly, has, has also been in a bit of a slump since his his uh, season opening flurry of bicycle kicks. Um, <laughs> second one wasn't really a bicycle kick, but that's a conversation for another time. It was a, it uh, was a mini bicycle kick. Let's call it that. Like a yeah, it was kick, it, it was an overhead volley. Oh, uh, <laughs> but uh, but but regardless, he's been in a bit of a slump. He was through on goal twice in this game, I think, and never got a shot off, which just isn't great. Uh, but yeah. it, it but you know, I mean, with pulling Blanco off, pulling Moreno off, and then, you know, having, and then, and then having to bring Dyrona Spree. 
going back to Nishgoda, if you're a striker and your team is down two goals and you get subbed off in the 68th minute for a guy who's not a striker, things aren't going well. <laughs> uh, and then at that, I mean, at that point, even though the Timbers were, were you know, up for the effort, uh, I think they just didn't have the personnel to make a, a serious run at getting back in the game. And so I thought that was basically it. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate the way Sagafi managed the game. Uh, I think in, in some ways the, the, the Galaxy were also let down by the way Sagafi managed the game. So I don't think it, that was necessarily something that was determinative of the ultimate result. But it did kind of just, I mean, from a from a, a soccer watcher's perspective, it sort of ruined the game. Um, because instead of, you know, seeding sort of two full sides, yeah. uh, you know, trying to, to, to battle out a full-strength Timbers, trying to, to get back into the game, it sort of made it so that both sides were just managing the referee uh, and the outcome of the referee's decisions um, more than they were sort of, you know, uh, playing the chess match that we want to see. Hey, this is Ryan. You are listening to Soccer Made in Portland. We will be right back after a quick break. We're back to talk uh, Portland Thorns as as they come off a 1-0 loss to OL Reign last weekend. You know, having gone to that game and, and seeing how, how they played, they played probably their best overall match of the Challenge Cup. Uh, they looked really strong. Um, they have their own, uh, you know, gripes with how their game was officiated. There were a couple of, uh, close calls that didn't go their way. One of which was, uh, early on, Sophia Smith made a great run and she looked to be level, uh, but they, they called her offsides and, and that would have been huge for momentum's sake. Portland probably would have ended up winning that game and maybe scored a couple more goals on top of that had that gone their way. Um, but overall, uh, they look they look good. They look like they're getting more comfortable in Reen Wilkinson's system, um, and, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of pressure uh, involved with the Challenge Cup. You know, they obviously are competitors, so they care about winning and care about potentially advancing to the semifinals. Uh, in order to do so, they would have to either win their group with OL Reign, which is looking less likely now after that loss, or be the best record among the second place teams in the three groups uh, which is is given the fact that angel city fc and san diego wave fc are their other two group members that seems pretty plausible I, that looks like two two wins as long as portland takes care of business in those last two challenge cup games so we'll see if they advance but i don't think that it's the most important thing in the world for them i think that they see these games um really as, as preseason games that count type of situation where uh, they're playing at, at a regular season level and they're putting in the effort, uh, but they still do have to get back healthy. Um, they do have to bring Janine Becky into the fold once she arrives. Uh, and so at this point, uh, it's it's more of a focus on the regular season as, as we look ahead for the Thorns. I think that's the that, that's basically how I took the game as well. Um, I, and, and that approach to the challenge cup makes, makes, you know, even more sense for the thorns this year, given how much they are transitioning, both in terms of personnel, uh, with a new coach, uh, it, you know, it, it would be unreasonable to expect them straight from the jump this year to be, uh, to be dialed in. Um, 
and so uh and, and so frankly i i think given the way that the game played out i think frankly systemically the thorns looked pretty good they were creating chances from where you would expect them to create chances sort of playing without true wingers um natalia kuika was a problem uh she's awesome. pretty consistently she's awesome uh pretty consistently an enormous problem i actually didn't think smith had her best game um but she was still getting into the spots that you want to want to get her uh it was a step forward uh for sugita it was you know i mean frankly a, a lot of the things that you would hope to see sort of from the run of play for the thorns in sort of a normal progression in light of these transitions i think we saw a decent amount of that over the weekend it was a frustrating result, uh, especially since they defended so well through the course of the game. The rain had almost nothing, um, like almost nothing at all, until you know they 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 they've got that moment. Really nice ball through from Jess Fishlock, and then a and then a good uh, decisive finish um, from uh, why am I having like a total senior moment? Who finished the goal? I love, this is like well like what my internet did my brain is doing uh <laughs> right now who scored for for, for, for oh, the rain what is happening i i am also blanking this is how is this possible this is an all-timer i'm gonna this is you, you figure it out rose and then remind LaVelle. me uh it was Ro- it was rose lavelle, it was rose LaVelle. <laughs> i was so this is how ridiculous i am and, and gives you a sense of how i consume content on the internet i was literally thinking about it was. I was like, "Oh, it's the person who loves dogs." Not remembering Rose Lave- Rose Lavelle's name. <laughs> yes, of all people, man. Yeah. I I am like a I am like a thirty six year old person who's getting ready to kick the bucket. I swear. Yeah. Oh, washed. it's uh. But uh, yeah, just totally washed. This is why you don't take years off from doing podcasts and then jump back into it. Um. Uh. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, um, that's tough. But Fish you know, I mean, beautiful ball through from. Remember though. Yes. Yeah, that's that's true. But beautiful ball through from Fishlock to to Lavelle. Nice finish from Lavelle. So full credit to them for taking that moment. Uh, but it truly was a moment for the rain. Uh, Definitely. And otherwise, I thought it was a, a game that the Thorns got, I think, probably exactly out of what they wanted to get out of it. Um, I think systemically they're looking really solid, but it did give me... I mean, I found myself at times during the game scratching my head a little bit about where they're going to play Becky and how they're going to deploy Becky. Becky is a is is a probably a most likely a frontline player, although she's played some central midfield, she's played some uh some even some some fullback and wingback. A really good article out today by uh, American Soccer Analysis at, at Analysis Evolved on Twitter, uh, sort of breaking that down. I think she's she's probably a frontline player for the Thorns. Um, I think maybe in that two front, but it's, you know, given that they don't play with wingers, which is, which is where with traditional wingers, I, I should say, which is where, um, she's played a decent amount. She has played up top. Uh, and so it wouldn't surprise me if she ends up in a two front, um, with Smith, uh, maybe with, with sync at times. Um, but I don't think that's an obvious answer. Um, and so we could see Becky moved around a little bit, but through the game, I was thinking a little bit, scratching my head a bit about where I thought she was going to end up. Um, and I think that's a little bit more TBD than I think I was thinking when we talked last week. Um, so we'll see how she gets integrated into the into the team. But overall, I think you've got to be pretty pleased uh, with how the Thorns looked in in that game. 
uh, and and wh- how that bodes for the future. I agree with you. You know, I mean, they they certainly have a credible shot at getting uh, the you know at large <laughs> bid, so to speak, from uh, in into uh, the Challenge Cup semifinal, um, and that would be nice. But you know, that is not the be all end all for for this early season. It's far more important that they get their system installed, that they get roles defined within the system. Um, that they get comfortable uh, and 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 that they look better uh, or that they look prepared for the regular season. And I think they're well on on pace to do that. It seemed like that was more or less the attitude coming out of the game. You're the real journalist, so you actually talk to people um, uh, about this. It, was that was that sort of what the Thorns were were thinking and saying afterward? Yeah, I mean, they were frustrated, obviously, because it's a rivalry match and and. Um, you know, they were taking as, as many digs at, at uh, O.L. Rain as possible. Uh, they would refer to them as Seattle um, since they've been Seattle for a long time but are now owned by uh, a French club. Uh, still, in fairness, I, I think I think the more pejorative reference would be to Tacoma, right? Yes. Oh, I'm just forever calling them Tacoma. You are you, regardless whether that you've made the move back to Seattle you will always be Tacoma in my mind. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, no offense, by the way, to any listeners that live in Tacoma, but uh, it, that is a that is a decent dig on on Rifer's part. Fifty fifty percent of the people on this podcast did not mean for that to be insulting. <laughs> I'll let people decide <laughs> which fifty percent. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll we'll. Uh, We'll avoid the wrath of the Tacomans uh, as much as possible. Um, the, 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 <laughs> the wrath of the Canadians, however, is very much uh, in play for, for the Thorns. It's, it's looking now like a Canadian takeover, if you will, for, for the club. You've obviously got um, you know Janine Becky coming in. Christine Sinclair is an established superstar Canadian. Uh, Reen Wilkinson, head coach, Canadian. Karina LeBlanc, GM, Canadian. All four of those individuals, Chris, will be in Vancouver this Friday night for the Canadian women's national team's friendly against Nigeria. That game uh, will serve as an opportunity to honor uh, Christine Sinclair for becoming the all-time international leading goal scorer. Uh, And at halftime, uh, Karina LeBlanc and Reen Wilkinson will both be honored for entering the Hall of Fame up there. Uh, I will be there. Breaking news on the podcast, I will be in Vancouver wow. on Friday uh, for that to, to bring some some Thorns content out of uh, the great white north. And I will be in uh, next day in the same stadium for the Timbers and Whitecaps game. So keep an eye out for some Canuck content uh, coming your way on, on my Twitter feed uh, over these uh, next few days this week. And I'm flying out tomorrow. It's going to be a special night up in Vancouver on, on Friday. And I think that's, I'm, I'm glad first of all, that you're going to be up there for it because it certainly is something that deserves coverage. Um, it'll be a special night for, for all three of them, KK uh, and Reen, uh, both eminently deserving uh, of, uh, of their own accolades and their own honors um, that they're getting from Canada. Christine Sinclair sort of zooming out just a little bit is to me, somebody who throughout North America still does not get the goat treatment to it that she deserves. Um, she is, I mean, she's one of the greatest soccer players ever period end of sentence. Um, and you know, I think because in the U S we have had so many good players come through our women's national team, 
were probably somewhat desensitized <laughs> to a, a a Canadian player who who has has done many of these things, but uh, but the she is certainly appreciated in Portland. She's certainly appreciated in Canada, and it's and it's phenomenal that she's she's uh, going to get this opportunity um, to be to be recognized. But it is it it is very much a a a broader story in North America, and should be a broader story in North America um, as she sort of approaches the the last year or years of what is. I think it's 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 not outrageous to say, and it's not necessarily a hot take segment to be named later. Uh, take to say one of the maybe the most extraordinary soccer player uh in in certainly United States and Canada and maybe just North American history period. Um and so uh I'm I'm glad you get to be there for that. That's going to be phenomenal. Um it's a uh, you know in many ways a, a a helpful respite for the Thorns uh coming back to uh to to them because it's you know it's just another opportunity for them uh to get some training in. I'll be at with a couple of days off, uh, with most of their, their, their team intact, uh, and to get more of the system ins- installed. Um, but look, you know, notwithstanding the result, uh, this last weekend, I, I think it is hard to imagine these first few weeks for the thorns going much better than they have is, is, and, and that frankly was, was transitioning into my, my hot take segment, <laughs> um, which is, which is that, that these first few weeks have gone as, as, as well as could reasonably be expected, maybe even a little bit better than that. Um, and uh, and it was a frustrating one zero to be sure. Um, but it it I think is is a one zero in a you know I, I sort of put the Challenge Cup alongside if if we were to compare it on the men's side the U.S. Open Cup. Um, uh, it's a one z it, it's a, the kind of result in that level of tournament that you're not going to lose any sleep over. Um, but the system looks great. They're really coherent. Um, and, and it frankly would have been unreasonable to expect that, uh, at, at this point. So I think for as, uh, trepidatious as we are on the very spring timbers, timbers, um, we should be equally bullish, if not more so, uh, on, on a thorns team that looks far better right now, uh, than I think we have any right to expect. Am I overstating that? Am, am, am I am I giving them too much credit for a one zero loss at home to the? <laughs> no, I I don't think you are. I think that they look really complete, and and you have to think about the fact that this isn't even really their complete side. You you have Janine Becky coming in. Who knows where she'll fit in? But she's a talented player and and an exciting signing. You eventually will have Crystal Dunn back, the Concacaf Women's Player of the Year. Once she gives birth to her child and is happy and healthy uh, and works her way back, as we know she will uh, in short order because she is such an incredible competitor, um, she'll be back. And then you'll have Becky Sauer run back from injury. So, Also a pretty good player in her own yes, right. Yes, a very good player in her own right um, and, and will help out on the back line there. Uh, so there's a lot to, to look forward to if you're a Thorns fan. I, I think this is a, a team that can – uh, if it stays healthy throughout the season and, and puts the pieces together, they can easily win it all. Uh, and, and you look at somebody like Sophia Smith, uh, 21-year-old talented young player, as someone who, frankly, has a chance to be in the running for NWSL MVP this season. And, you know, I think the the other 
one of the, the one of the biggest wild cards on the team is going to be Olivia Moultrie. Um, the opportunity to be in for now a full preseason, to be in the team and playing uh, regularly full time, I think it's reasonable given still her age and 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 sort of where she is and and when she came in last year to be uh, guarded in terms of your expectations early on in the season. Um, but she looks like to me like a player who especially once she gets comfortable and, and fully worked into the team who could be a difference maker for them uh, in, in, in the back half. And so uh, I think that's, that's, it's, it's an interesting storyline because it got so much news because of all the things surrounding uh, surrounding her signing uh, with the lawsuit and all of that. But I think she's going to just be an, an, a, an interesting and fun player to watch just simply from a soccer perspective. Um, because when you look at the team, there is not, there's not sort of a, traditional playmaker uh on uh, on the roster i think Lindsay Horan was was the closest they had to that even though she played a lot as an eight she she served as a as a traditional playmaker as, a, as an eight a lot and there's not that on the roster it's not something it's not a, a a player or a role that the thorns are overly reliant on in the way they're setting up their system yeah it seems really in in terms of um filling that that void it's been natalia quika and, and hina suka by committee really Right, exactly, and and you know I think I, I especially with the way they set up, they're gonna create a lot of chances through their wing backs, and so when Mingan Klingenberg is, is is fully fit and healthy, you've got to think that she's gonna do some of that when she's on the field. Although it's reasonable to expect her minutes to be somewhat reduced um, uh, this year, uh, but it would be an interesting thing if they if they are gonna get be able to get somebody like a like Moultrie who could be a little bit more of a you know a traditional midfield playmaker um to to start producing in that regard that would be a wrinkle that this team could then throw in um and 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 add that would make them even more dynamic and and frankly even more of a problem um again i want to be guarded about expectations because i don't think we should be piling expectations on early uh for her in the season but over the course of the year could that happen yeah and would it be fun if it did you bet um so uh so i think i i think folks should be really really bullish uh, about how this Thorns team looks. I am not quite there with you on this team is is going to be a contender to win at all. <laughs> Just because I, I, I think they they had they they have more more things still to figure out um, than than some of the favorites in the league. But I think they could get there. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying is I brought my hot take and then you one upped it and I'm like, nah, nah, man too hot for me <laughs> but we'll, too, but let's revisit that in a few weeks let's we'll see if i'm there yeah we'll we'll see where we're at and, and that's too toasty do you have another do you have another hot take for us I, uh, this week i do let's let's transition smoothly into that um we, we've talked at length about how uh poorly uh things have looked for the timbers lately and how they've kind of you know fallen butt backwards into some draws and and uh not looked their best in a lot of spots. There are some, some glaring issues, but um, I have a feeling traveling up to, to the great white North uh, this, this weekend that the Timbers will win on Saturday against the white caps and do so decisively. Um, the decisively is the hot take part of that because um, Vancouver's not a very good team, but um, in expecting the Timbers to win, I think it it could be a um, three to one or a two zero performance where 
um, the Timbers look better than they have in recent weeks. Just kind of, you know, shake the, the demons off a little bit and uh, get into a nice rhythm, get a win, and then reset for, for Houston the following week. I think that's a hot take, and I'm not ready to join you on that. Uh, I, I I think it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit more of a process for the Timbers. Um, they uh, this is you know I mean we we've sort of seen them muddle through these periods before, uh, and saying that that in the second week of April uh, they're gonna be ready to bounce back uh, again feels slightly too hot for my preference. This you know Vancouver really struggled. Uh, in the first uh, several weeks of the season, they looked slightly better last week, getting their first win, uh, a 1-0 uh, over SKC in Vancouver at BC Place. Um, they frankly just gotten rocked on the road. I mean, 4-0 at Columbus, 2-1 at Houston, who actually looks a bit more competent than I think we expected, uh, 3-1 at uh, LAFC um, uh, with, a, with a, you know, nothing to shake a stick at, 0-0 home draw. Uh, against NYCFC sort of smack in the, in the middle of that. I think this is a, a, a competent Vancouver team that, that the Timbers will have to play well uh, to beat up at BC place. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I guess, frankly, I, I am concerned and, and doubt a little bit their ability to, to go and get a win like that on the road without a reliable striker. Um, and, and Nishgoda certainly is not that. I think there were frankly reasonable questions about whether he should even start, uh, even notwithstanding the lack of, of other options. Dyrona Spria is, is not a number nine, but he plays one on TV, uh, and he might play one on TV, uh, this weekend, uh, up in Vancouver. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Uh, I, 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 I'm not there. <laughs> with you uh and and if if you turn out to be right we can all come back here next week uh and talk about how wrong i was and that wraps it up for us on soccer made in portland thanks for joining us everybody i will be heading up to canada tomorrow so keep an eye out for some thorns canadian coverage and some portland timbers coverage as they take on the vancouver whitecaps uh, be sure to, if you can, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening. Uh, or wherever you are listening, please find a way to review us, help us out. Uh, we always appreciate all of our listeners. And if you have any additional contributions you would like to make to the podcast, any questions you want us to answer, feel free to reach out. Uh, for Chris Reifer, I'm Ryan Clark. Thanks for joining us.